Morning, Chelsea. Morning, Phil. How are you today, sir? In need of coffee. In need of a shot in the dark. Yes, sir. It's Christmas soon. It is. Well, it's been Christmas in our house for a while now. That's right. Yeah. Mrs. Christmas, she, uh, we've been asking, she's done all her shopping by September. Okay. Um, so it's already done? It's already done. What did all you get the, me? Uh, what, did, what do I get? What do I get this year from Mrs. Jouse? She has told me, but I probably wasn't listening. Uh, so I've forgotten, mate. I apologise. Ah, that's a very, very poor way of telling me you're not going to tell me. No, I just don't listen to the wife, do I? No. We switch off. It's a, the secret to a wonderful marriage, I would say. It is. Um, Ignoring the, the nagging. The selective hearing. Um, so, Muscles Part 1 went quite well, didn't it? Yeah, we had a lot of fun, didn't we? The, um, our fears of, of uh, it being a sleeping podcast, a sleep, a sleep therapy podcast, <laughs> were, were allied um, by the fact that very popular a lot of questions a lot of feedback I've personally spoken to a lot of people sort of in my local network who really really uh, enjoyed our hour hours um, discussion on on the muscles and the body so we've got a bit of pressure haven't we mate we do we've got a lot to live up to we need to um, do muscles part two should we have a recap I was just going to say, I think we should have a recap of part one. Um, we start on the, uh, the stuff that we kind of opened yeah, we, we doors with at the end? or Yeah, I think. We don't yeah. need to go back to the well, I think, muscle structure, do we? No, I think we need to stay with the juicy stuff. Yeah, I think, I think well, we, 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 we discussed muscles and the understanding of muscles and research of muscles and neurological feed and how muscles works and that we found out that muscles don't just contract concentrically and then and then something happens that they respond to a lengthening of a bone um, so it was re they're reactive rather than proactive um, that they don't initiate motion necessarily they respond to motion of bones in real life in real life yeah, yeah. Um, and that was um, that was one of the biggest findings in sort of exercise physiology and, and, and exercise development and understanding of movement and biomechanics was that muscles didn't necessarily do what we thought they did um, and a great example of that is the hamstring muscle uh, the muscle on the back of your leg if and you can just try this at home if you're if you're um, if you are using the podcast for for um, for sleep therapy, then just stay where <laughs> just stay where you are. <laughs> um, and if you're actually using it to try and learn something about muscles or hear our opinions about muscles, then then stand up and just lift your right leg off the floor and 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 contract your hamstrings. And and when you do that, your right heel will come towards your right backside, and the knee will the knee will flex. And we'll call that knee flexion and we'll say that's a hamstrings contracting concentrically because there exists a certain amount of tension within the hamstrings 
pre-existing tension within the hamstrings because the legs straight and thus contraction. But concentric then, contraction. Concentric contraction, exactly. Yeah. But then sort of take the right foot forward <coughs> and stand in a sort of half lunge position. So you've got a sort of split stance forwards, uh, not out to the side. And bend your right knee slightly. And what just bent your right knee wasn't your hamstrings. That was gravity. So you you yeah. sort of your knee you just allow your knee to bend. You don't need to do anything. You just sort of make a conscious decision to relax uh, your leg. And as you relax your leg, gravity will do the gravity weighs enough <laughs> yeah. that that the knee just bends. And now try without taking your foot off of the floor. Now try to pull your heel towards your bum, but don't let your foot come up off the floor. And what will happen is your knee will extend because you'll just pull the tibia the shin bone back towards you so in actual fact the there you've got an example of what we have understood being that the hamstrings flex the knee but when my foot's on the floor and I'm running the hamstrings will extend my knee and um, and so that's 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 what we're talking about that's the common that's just what we're learning we're learning that actually when when we are out running when we are doing our sport when we're just existing and, and enjoying training Muscles aren't doing what we think they're doing. They're, they're doing, in fact, it actually <laughs> something completely different. Um, so I think that was where we were headed in the first podcast, where we started to discuss that we're on to something. Um, it wasn't our intention to stop at that point. We just yeah. ran out of time. Um, and so we sort of, yeah, that was where we were. We Bones moving, muscles reacting, and we're on to something that might be quite exciting and quite interesting and then we kind of furthered that with that fact of so the muscles function completely differently like Phil was explaining there but not only are they working in a shortening or lengthening process but they also can be shortening the same muscle can both be shortening and lengthening at the same time at its origin and insertion, which are the attachments of the muscle. So like go back to the example Phil used in the last podcast. If we lean forwards and then bend the knee, we've got a shortening of the hamstring at the knee. So you're talking about the squat? Yeah, yeah, yeah. As an example. Uh, yeah, so yeah, in a squat, we obviously have that anterior rotation of the pelvis, so we'll have lengthening of the hamstring towards its origin on the pelvis, but then we'll have a shortening of the hamstring at the knee with knee flexion. But that is just in one plane. What we also have to build on is the fact that during all motions, that all joints, <coughs> all bones are moving in three planes, if these bones are moving in three planes, then the muscles will be reacting, decelerating and controlling this triplane emotion. I think that, 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 that the important thing we stress here is this variance. I think that, that, that what, we have to, what we have to stress here is, is the variance in, in three planes of motion. So, so those axes exist. Um, those axes are there and if they exist we have a, a variance it, it's, it's 
Very rare that they don't move in all three planes of motion. But it's not to say that they have to be moving in all three planes of motion. It's just to say that those axes exist. Yeah. So there will always be a variance of degrees in that plane. So if it starts on the zero point, even if it stays at the zero point, it's still at zero in that plane. Yeah. And if it, if it moves two degrees that way or three degrees that way or 20 or 30 or whatever, it, there is always a variance. And if you've got two attachment points of a piece of string and those two attachment points move in, in, in three ways or variant, it alters the state of the muscle. That has to happen. Something has to move, and 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 that's ultimately what we're we're going on to now, isn't it? And what we're yeah. going to talk about now is is that variance. So that when the foot bangs into the floor, and it's, it's yeah, we can use the squatting example. Um, I think it's also quite important to to not just use. I mean, I'm I'm a runner, so I always use the foot hitting the floor as an example because I coach running um, yeah. and cycling and triathlon, where where you'll probably use the squat, but it's the same, isn't it? That the foot yeah. the foot's on the floor. Um, and gravity does something it allows us to move um, and then bones will move and then that variance that that three plane or tri-plane of variance will then create a reaction in the muscle both chemically neurologically um, and and that's what hopefully now or that's what not hopefully that's exactly what we're going to discuss now Um, so why don't we why don't we stick with our um, why don't we stick with our strengths and and for for the listeners here you you, when you're discussing, um, yeah. why don't you discuss f- f- from a squat basis, and I'll discuss from a running running basis, and 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 then and then we've got some different examples coming yeah. through. Sure. So why don't you why don't you start us off with um, giving us an example from the squat, and we we were talking about the hamstring. Yeah. Um. So so should we let's stay with the hamstring? Um. Uh, and and let's if you could just slowly break down for us um, the variances in the three planes of motion of the femur, which is the big big yep. thigh bone. Uh, break down the variances there and we'll go with we'll go with how you coach a squat and how yep. you believe a squat should be. So as I understand from our um, from our discussions that that's toes straight and yep. and knee coming in uh, yep. slightly inwards and, and not the the, the new popular toes out, break your back and knees method. Uh, knees driving out. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so, I mean, we talked about it in the last podcast in a se- in a sense of um, these axes of motions of joints, and actually, when we go to the truth of the axes of motion of the knee, the coupled motion of the knee. Yes, we only control, uh, we only have conscious control of the knee in flexion extension. If we can't rotate the knee ourselves and we can't move the knee in the frontal plane ourselves, we have no conscious control of that. But when we move, we have rotation at the knee, so we have transverse plane motion goes to the knee and we have frontal plane motion occurring at the knee. The axis motion dictates that when the knee flexes, its coupled motion is flexion and internal rotation. That is where everything glides in the knee through the safest uh, safest axes. You can try this by, if you stand up, if you turn your toe outwards, 
take your foot on, uh, on the foot, take the foot off the floor, turn your toe outwards, and then flex your knee, so uh, flex your heel to your backside. Feel what's going on in your knee. Now turn the toe inwards, and now flex your knee. It'll feel a lot easier and more natural with that toe turned in than it will out. That is allows the gliding motion of the patella through the groove um, as we're doing it. Yeah, I mean, just sort of you know, jump in a little bit. Yeah, um, sure, mate. Always be a bit nerd with it. It's yeah. the, 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 the chambers or the four chambers of the knee, the anatomical structures of the knee, um, suit better. So you'll see that they, through an evolutionary process, we've got like uh, holes or not holes, but sort of, Grooves, grooves, yeah, yeah, grooves, and 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 other things that are shaped naturally to allow certain motions, or you know, it, it's like a river, and a river flows, it erodes, it erodes rock away to ch- take its path, so it has that natural flowing path, yeah. uh, and it's the same with the knee through evolution. There we've got that, we've got grooves, so we've got m- motions that are suited to the body and motions that aren't suited to the body. When you look at them just purely from an anatomical standpoint, and look at how the bones are shaped. And then how those bones are set together to form a joint, yeah. um, and and it's clear when you open up a knee and you take take the bones of the knee, and you can see that there's plenty of space, good space, um, good grooves, and, and and movement there when you when you're in uh, slightly internal rotation of the knee with flexion, whereas the opposite way there you you take big big um, big bone masses and you put yeah. them very close to each other. Um, not saying in every case they bang together, but in a lot of cases they do. They do bang yeah. together. Yeah. Sorry, buddy. Yeah, it's all right. No, it's a good explanation, Phil. Um, so this this natural makeup of the knee dictates that as we begin to squat, so we use gravity to begin to sit down and decelerate. The f- the femur is moving through flexion. Is moving through internal rotation. And the femur is beginning to adduct towards the midline. That's not, well, that varies from person to person, but that is the direction where it should track along. So that's, I mean, yeah, exactly. So I don't think the key point there that you you say is it varies from person to person. Um, And what we're not saying is that's what happens in the squat. Yeah. What we're saying is that's what we're looking for in the squat. That's yeah. what we coach exactly. or what you coach uh, in the squat, how we would like to see it. Um, and and for this example, uh, because everybody, as you say, is different. And uh, for those listening, say, well, I do this, I do that. Yeah, you might do. Um, and you might also need then to look at your training. I think, well, like I say, we, we've been talking a lot about conscious and subconscious there. And um, people... We're talking about real life sporting examples of movement without thought, movement that is natural. And when we don't think this is where the body wants to be, wants to go, the problem with uh, the uh, exercise, strength and conditioning world is we've developed these these rules of uh come out where people think about movement they're yeah. always we're making movement conscious yeah. um, and someone decided a technique of the bone should be in this position so you need to think about maintaining these angles these positions 
and someone's decided that the knees should drive out. So a lot of people now are driving the knees out and moving away from our natural, not only functional, how we should move, but also how the joints are set up to move. So we're talking your uh, so we're talking about the femur. Yep. And we need to know we've understood so as I understand you're telling me the femur is going in towards the midline. So yeah. internal rotation or medial rotation, um adduction, yep. and flexion. Yep. Um but the the pantry has two attachment points, right? Uh, which one? Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's there's three. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we've got a medial. We've obviously got the medial hamstrings, and then we've got the lateral hamstrings. Exactly. So depending on which way the bones are going, will depend. One hamstring will be lengthening more, and one will be shortening more, depending on okay. the direction of the bone. Good. So the hamstrings are attached down into the tibia. Yep. Okay. Um, and we've discussed um, femoral motions there because that's the easiest for people to see is yeah. to see what what the femur is doing but we just have to have the understanding that the, the actually the hamstrings well there is a, a small short head that attaches into the femur so yeah that's important but there's also the bypasses the femur goes around the outside of the knee and hooks onto the tibia a little bit like horse reins yeah. it's a great way to see it and if i'm sitting on a horse and with my right hand i pull on the rein the horse's head will will turn to the right and if I pull on the left rein, the horse's head will turn to the left. Yeah. So, the femur is a deducting, internally rotating and flexing. Yeah. Creating uh, a joint variance at the knee, which we don't need to talk about, we don't need to do. Um, and as a result of this, as a result of losing the battle against gravity and the bar, the hips begin to go down and these motions start to occur. Yeah. So what's the pelvis doing? What's happening at the other end? So we've discussed one end and now we need to discuss the other end. What What's happening at my, at the pelvis? In theory, the pelvis should just be anteriorly rotated. Okay. So you, you don't miss, you don't, because it's a bilateral stance, because it's in, yeah. because you're on two legs, what you don't want to see is, um, left to right sort of side to side motions yeah. or, and you certainly don't want to see rotational yeah okay so that's easy yeah so you've just got a pure I'm pulling on you I'm making you longer uh, yeah. the horse's head isn't going left or right it's just being pulled backwards yeah um, so you've got this this element where I'm just being the reins are being pulled by that and there's, a, yeah. and a, and a, and there's quite a significant lengthening isn't there yeah it is yeah and so you've got down at the knee now or down at the uh the tibial insertions, you've got the internal rotation. So the horse's head is, I'm putting on the left rein. Yeah. And so the horse's head, if we're talking about the right leg, we're talking about internal rotation of the, of the right yeah. femur and the right tibia. Uh, and I'm putting on the horse's head on the left side and the horse is now looking left. Yeah. So I'm pulling on that. And so what's happening to the left side? So the, the, so the left side is a shortening absolutely. of the muscle. And what's happening to the right side of my rein with the horse's head? The right side is lengthening. Okay, so if I stop you there and, and help help our listeners, I yeah. hope, they're, hope they're still with us. Um, we've got one end of the one end of the muscle 
lengthening and globally the other end of the muscle shortening um, so you've got the a lengthening or an eccentric contraction at the at the origin up at the hips and down at the insertion down in the, down on the tibia you've got the lateral aspect or the, the right hand side of the leg to just keep it simple get going through a lengthening process while you've got the medial or the um, inside again keeping it simple inside of the leg going through a shortening process so now we've got to take out understanding of the balance of concentric and eccentric we need to take these to actually the next level because now we've just found out not only are we eccentric at the hips and slightly concentric at the knee with knee flexion but then in a rotational axis in a rotational plane we're now actually shortening on the inside and we as we've discussed shortening being concentric and um, uh, lengthening being eccentric so we've got a concentric inside and an eccentric outside and we've got a, an origin of a muscle at the other end of the muscle at the up at the hips lengthening so now we're starting to hopefully appreciate the complexity of this or if you're like uh, Jousey and I <laughs> you are starting to get excited you're starting to think this is bigger than we thought there's a lot more going on here than just bending forward or just having a muscle going through a certain amount of load. So, and I take a deep breath. Um, Jout is laughing. He sat back in his chair. I think he's. Um, he can see I'm, uh, I'm. I'm about to unleash. And and so this then becomes triplanar as we've discussed this isn't just mutually exclusive to that that horse's head in in the rotational plane of course we have in the frontal plane which is the side to side plane the knee going slightly inwards in the squat and as the knee comes inwards we're going to have again a variance between the inside and the outside so as the knee begins to travel inwards we're going to have a slight lengthening on the inside of the knee and we're going to have a slight shortening on the outside of the knee. So again, concentric, eccentric, that's the opposite to the rotational plane. So now we're saying at the just, just down at the knee and we've sort of accepted that up at the hip we've got the lengthening or we've got the eccentric lengthening and we're just, now we're just down in the, in the knee, we're in the horse's reins that the horse is now tipping its head rather than rotating its head, it's tipping its head um, and, and as a result of this we've got an inside or a medial lengthening in the frontal plane and on the outside of the knee we've got a shortening. So we've got transverse plane variance left to right shortening lengthening, we've got a frontal plane variance left to right shortening and we've already discussed what's happening in the sagittal plane is that the, the hamstrings are getting a little bit shorter um, or not a little bit shorter a lot shorter because of the knee flexion so suddenly what we've got is just a mixture of lengthening and shortening at different places no longer can we i mean i don't know about you jousey no. but when i learned um, when i first went to school and, and learned about muscles we'd even call exercises Bio phase. So we'd say the down phase is the eccentric phase and yeah. the up phase is the concentric phase yeah. because 
that was all it was. I mean, it was yeah. just you know, and and how wrong we were. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I mean, he's still in fairness, he's still not a bad way to say I'm going down. Uh, but what we and and primarily when we're going down against gravity, things are lengthening. That's we've discussed that. And yeah. primarily when we're going up against gravity, things are shortening. Not not always, but yeah. But then it's that whole agonist antagonist as well. With the, the getting into that process, well, I where mean, it's like, oh, this one's working, so this one's relaxing. What, what, I mean, where, what a terrible yeah. tangent that was. I mean, what a <laughs> terrible, terrible tangent human science went on there. The thought that hamstrings and quadriceps could be linked to each other somehow. I mean, why? I mean, you think about all the muscles, all the muscles that we just think. The body it thinks, okay, right. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna, just gonna say now, hamstring is my opposite. And yeah. when I work, I'm gonna switch you off. Uh? <laughs> 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 what? What? Where, where, who? Who can see that? I mean, where's that come from? Why not? I mean, yeah. I mean, take because it's easy to see bicep, tricep. We use the example. Yeah. It's easy to see quadriceps, yeah. quadriceps hamstrings. Everyone use the example. But okay, so when the abdominals working, does the does the every muscle in the is it just mortifidus that switches off and uh, intertransversari they they stay on or or do we switch the whole back off just because abdominals yeah. doing something or is it left to right is it diagonal I mean where where does that system come yeah. from that one muscle works so the body thinks oh no I'll, do, I'll just close down over there and that's just randomly that muscle or because we can draw a line through the body it happens to be on the back we'll say it's there I mean it can only yeah. come I mean and it can only come from sitting down isolated yeah. function because when we stand up and the foot's on the floor and we're squatting there isn't a muscle off Yeah. so we can do it we can feel it you can just put your hands on a hamstring hands on a quad on the way down and both are working <laughs> I mean yeah. that's if they're not you're falling over so so is it just mutually exclusive so when we sit <laughs> you know the, oh yeah. inhibition works at that point but it doesn't work at that point when it suits us I mean the concept of neural inhibition or uh, antagonist, antagonist, antagonist I mean I, it's just, I mean, it blows my mind that we could have been that silly. Oh, but I mean, that's the thing with like, with, with testing and, and joint testing, like back in my sports therapy kind of school where we were going through joint testing and muscle testing, <coughs> lying down on the bed. <coughs> the amount of time that we all had to pair up um, in partners and I was with a girl and I had tested her hips first and literally like, she was straight like hamstring raised, just everything was great range, really good, barely any resistance at all. Then I lie down on the bed and you can barely move my hips anywhere. Like they're stiff from years of football. Like this is the point where she was laughing and other people were coming in and having a go. It's like, can you move this? I'm like, is that seriously all you've got? Like, yeah, probably. But then I said, okay, let's stand up because I just wanted to, yeah. Um, check my beliefs. Yeah. The stuff that we do today, we're right. And I was like, <clears throat> let's just uh, let's squat. So I can squat below parallel. She could barely even break forty-five degrees. Yeah. She has all the available muscle joint range. Yeah. But that ability to control motion. Yeah. <clears throat> from those isolated tests of testing a hamstring in isolation, or a hip flexor in isolation that transfer over to human motion where we, as we've uh, talked about throughout the two podcasts is a communication of the joints of the muscles with each other 
coordinated and sequenced in the right time. Absolutely. And that ability just to have it on its own means absolutely nothing when it comes to moving. Uh, or absolutely, but I mean, but the thought that it <coughs> sends a neural like it sends a neurological inhibitor to yeah. a random muscle, yeah. which which for some reason in the textbooks is written to be the opposite. It's not the opposite muscle. There isn't an opposite muscle. There's just yeah. a, a a three dimensional spherical encompassing of a bone of and there's lots and lots of muscles there. I mean, why you would why choose that one? Why choose that one? I mean, do we then yeah. say okay for when vastus lateralis is working at a greater capacity it's then medial hamstrings that we switch off because that goes diagonal that way or would it then be that it's the lateral hamstrings that would be I mean where yeah, or does it just switch the whole muscle off because it yeah. can I mean it's just crazy concept crazy crazy concept uh, and, and again one that was founded out of as you say dead people cadaver studies or laying on a couch and not looking at what happens when we're actually up moving, exercising and training. Um, and, and ultimately, this is the, the, the fact that muscles, the, the, the exciting element of muscles that we now find out that muscles can load and unload at insertions in different planes. So just that one point. I mean, here I've just given the example of um, left to right hamstrings or medial to lateral hamstrings and how they load, but they're different muscles. Yeah. They might have the same insertion, but they're different muscles. Hamstrings, it's not, it's three muscles, and they have three different functions. They do three yeah. different things. So there we've talked about a group of muscles that would typically be categorized as doing the same thing because they're primarily group, have, yeah. the, have the sort of, they're grouped together and this primarily sagittal plane uh, functions or yeah. muscle, or yeah, t no, not test, but more to, actions joint actions yeah. um but actually if you just go into one muscle one individual insertion point can be lengthening in one plane and shortening in another plane now we wouldn't go as far to say that that would be called a concentric and eccentric contraction but what it is doing is giving slack yeah so the body is clever enough to know the fiber orientation the direction we talked a little bit about this in part one about the directions of the fibers so you've got oblique fibers um, for example in the glutes or, or the obliques funny enough or and and the fibers the fiber orientation of the muscle will then be conducive to the plane of motion it, it likes best and so again the oblique fibers in the in the glutes will set up to to deal with and control rotational forces that's why they travel in the sort of horizontal so yeah. diagonal angle whereas um, hamstring fibers that are sort of more parallel or linear um, they are they are designed to deal with more heavy flexion from the hip for example they're, they're yeah. there for a reason but so what we'll have is we'll have a muscle that has a dominance or has a preference to a job it prefers to do yeah. and if if the glutes a great example because of those oblique fibers and, and this so what will happen in the glute is because it enjoys the transverse plane, enjoys decelerating rotation. What you'll tend to find in functions, uh, is in, in sporting functions, is that the frontal plane and the sagittal plane will give slack to allow that motion in its primary plane. Yeah, and I think that, that element of giving slack, what you're talking about there is, if we have, if we take, we now know that we've got sagittal plane, frontal plane, and transverse plane motions, and they're available at, the origin and the insertion. If we had 
a lengthening of the muscle at both ends, so at the origin, at the insertion, in all three planes, the muscle would be under maximal tension. That is where we are susceptible to injury because the muscles lengthening in all directions, in all planes. So naturally, muscles work like an elastic band, as we've said. So if me and Phil are, uh, are both holding an elastic band, uh, but we've each got one end of it, if I pull on one end, eventually that tension will take up and Phil's hand will start to pull towards my hand. Because that, that force that um, that lengthening will bring the other end closer to it because it doesn't want to move in opposite directions. So that is what we call giving slack. We're taking up tension at one end, which then creates a slackening at the other end to allow the, the bone to continue to travel in the direction that it needs to without the muscle getting hurt. So that's end to end of a muscle. So that one end of a muscle will give and that's the cla I mean that's the classic sagittal plane in the squat. Yeah. That you're bending the knee, you're giving slack to the to the hamstring to allow a lengthening from the hip, because that's more important. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's I mean that that's the key. I mean that's that's the key understanding of all mo mo motion and um, um, and exercise sort of analysis, if you like, if you're going to anal analyze what bones and muscles are doing. You are. Yeah, you're looking into the. We're now we're now somewhere where it's very complex, um, and we're now somewhere where um, there's a lot going on, and the people, the, the listeners will now start to understand why you look like you do. Um, <laughs> Cheers, <man. laughs> because yeah, this is the process that needs to be gone through. For I mean, now we I mean we just discussed the enormity of it. We've got a muscle with three different uh, three muscles in inside it one of those muscles has two attachment points. So we're dealing with three uh, proximal attachment points and four distal um, four distal attachment points. Um, you're talking about a bone then moving in, or two bones, three bones, pelvis, femur, tibia, moving in three planes of motion, having three different variances which needs to be understood. And based on those variances, what you'll see is you'll see a muscle which will, from end to end, be giving each other slack to allow motion at the other end, uh, whilst at the at the individual ends of each of those seven uh, attachment points being either lengthened or shortened to allow its strengths to come forward, and that's just the hamstrings. And then we go to the soleus, and then we go to the tibialis anterior, and then we go to the glutes, and then we go to piriformis, and then we go to uh, QL, and and then the whole process starts to say that's how we understand movement. So if you want to understand movement, you want to understand muscles and how they work, this is how they work. <laughs> this is how they do it, and this is the complexity in the understanding of motion, uh, and, and why I think <coughs> It's very, very exciting because we can now, for the first time, really understand what's going on. Um, the follow-up podcast from this one is is assessment because ultimately, if the, the, the sharp listeners out there are saying, well, now yeah. I know how to assess because somewhere in all this complexity is exactly what we just talked about. Yeah. 
that what goes wrong is when it doesn't work. So when you've got, you should be having giving slack from one element to allow the other element, and it's not giving slack because of a joint stiffness or whatever it may be. Um, you are you've got your assessment. Yeah. So ultimately, we told people what what the muscular imbalance assessment should be, which is this. Um, and then how to train. We need to go into how to train as well. Yeah, how we develop from yeah. there. Yeah. Because of that, like we said earlier in the podcast, this is movement world, this is real life, this is sport, this is the subconscious doing what you're doing in day-to-day life. Whereas then we go into the gym to assist our sport, or if it felt like I work in CrossFit, the gym is the sport. Yeah. Um but now all we're doing is thinking about movement, like making movement conscious. Yeah. So how do we, how do we manipulate the body to make keep the movement subconscious, and create the right re- reactions that well, we want to create? That's problem design, isn't it? Yeah. That's problem design and good coaching skills. Um, good. Um, I think we'll let the, the listeners' uh, brains rest for today. Yeah, it's been a detailed but fun start for them. Yes. Um, Gemma sends her regards to you all. She's um, she's out again away, being the celebrity fitness guru that she is. Um, soon she's not going to have any time for us at all. She's going to be so booked up. Yeah. But um, from the new year, from first of January when we start there, we're uh, we're moving, aren't we? Podcasts are going to be uh, moving to. Uh, we're growing funnily <coughs> enough and we uh, we're, we're moving we are going to a new venue where we're going to be hopefully told what to do rather than having to <laughs> just discuss things ourselves and uh, and Jim is back um, so as of 1st of January it will be the three of us for most parts uh, yeah. doing most of the podcasts um, that's the goal good thank you for listening guys um, cheers guys take it easy